Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Random question. You know how they go. Which is a better feeling? Yeah. When you have to wear your mask for ages and ages, like the whole shopping and, and then, then you, you take it off. Take it off. Or taking your bra off at the end of the day. Uh, taking your bra off is still the best feeling. Yeah. 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 Okay. I've got a question for you that Hang someone on, asked. Kirsten, which one? Oh, yeah. Taking your bra off. Yes. Yeah. Same. God, yeah. Yep. Easy. Yep. Someone asked me this question during the week and it blew my mind. Yep. Would you rather be able to speak and understand all languages mm-hmm. or talk to animals? Animals. Curse? I think mine's animals as well. See, I went animals yeah. also. Okay, so what if birds yeah. are scared of heights? <laughs> And when and when they tweet, they're screaming. That's they're screaming. I didn't invent that. That's someone else's, but it's stuck in my head. I don't like, know. Like what if they're up there screaming? I'm okay, scared, so I also thought right that this it could be bad. And can I tell you how much I thought about this? Like it occupied a large part of my thinking for hours after the person asked me the question. Because then I thought, what about if I you go animals, bang, you get that power. Mm. And then when you're leaving, your dog is actually screaming, don't go. (laughs) (laughs) Stay. Yes. I don't want you to go. (laughs) Where are you going? Please. Like it would ruin your life. (laughs) Would it not ruin your life? Like I have a strong feeling that when I come home, Barry howls, right? He goes, like every time we get home, he howls. He puts his little mouth into a perfect little (laughs) circle. And he howls, and I think he's sick. Where the fuck have you been? We have been here for hours. What? How long have you been gone? I don't have a watch. Can you put the clock somewhere I can see it? So I know when you're going. Can you tell me? You just leave. You don't say, I'm going down the road. I'll be back in an oh, hour. Oh, well, uh, years ago, um, a, a lady did it was another radio session I worked out a lady is was a pet psychic and she did a, <laughs> she did a reading of, of I've got it somewhere of your of, dog of well I don't think it was Harvey I think it was a buster and he referred to so she was talking in a his pet thing, psychic and I was two leg and he's four leg and yeah and the, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't know where I was going all the time so from that point onwards from all my life I we still tell him. Harvey, I'm just going to the shops. I'll be back in five minutes. So he would know. What then? Okay, if you – If if I get to heaven one day, yeah. this banter is very relevant because we're talking about dying. Yeah. And I find out that animals can understand us. We just couldn't understand – we oh. just can't understand them. It's just going to – I think to that is true. Fuck my whole life up. Now I'm going to start telling the dogs where I'm going when I'm leaving. But that is tr- – I thought that was true. I thought they could understand like if I say to Bruce and Barry, I'm just going over to DD's to yeah. do a podcast in the laundry, I'll be back. Then that they'll know. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what. But what if when so you've chosen animal speech? Yes. And then you have, for instance, a, a sausage dog, 
and it speaks – it no. What if it speaks German because oh. they're German? What if you have a but German you shepherd? Get, you could get a translator, I guess. Mm. Yeah, you'd tra- have to put it try into and Google Translate. What they were saying. Yeah, and I think the reason we chose animals is because theoretically you could learn languages, and we—that's within our power to do it. Yeah, Whereas we amazing. don't have the power. But then to I feel understand. like going to the zoo would be terrible. Oh my god! Imagine everyone yelling, "Get us out!" What about the? I reckon the dirty. Um, I had kids. The dirty orangutans who always want to wank and show you their yeah. bottoms. They'd be going, "Show us your tits." Yeah. They would be so dirty. I reckon. They would. Yeah. Look at my ass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, Kieran had to. Um, so my husband's a solid plasterer, and he worked at the Melbourne Zoo. So you know where there's like the orangutan exhibit where it's yeah like fake rock. Yeah. You, you look at it and you think, wow, those rocks are interesting. How did they get them in there? But they're not. They're, they're fake. fake rocks. Yeah. yeah. He had to make the fake rocks because oh. that's what plasterers do. Don't like rendering and stuff. But when he had to do it, they had to lock up. The chi- the apes, different bunches so of he apes. So go in. Yep, and they locked up the chimpanzees, and he had to walk along a corridor to get out to get where, like where their cage was, yeah. to get to where he needed to do the okay. work in situ in the, in the enclosure. The chimpanzees were so smart; they knew that he was the reason that they were locked up. And as he would wheel his wheelbarrow along the corridor, they would throw handfuls of shit at him. <laughs> He would just hear it splot against the wall. And he hated it, but he loved it at the same time because he just thought, yep, yeah, they're smart. They're he smart. loves animals. Yeah. and I think fish are exactly like Finding Nemo. They just go. Oh, they're stupid. Just yep, keep swimming. Just keep <laughs> yep. swimming. That's what they would be saying. One swimming, swimming, second. swimming. Swimming, swimming, swimming. <laughs> That's what fish say. Chickens are smarter than I thought. Oh, they learn babe. stuff. Yeah, they learn. But then imagine you'd hear your chickens giving birth to eggs. <laughs> what if they said, that's my baby? One. I'm really worried about that. I don't know how it works. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Then you'd go to take eggs and they'd be like, that's my baby. Yeah, can someone with chickens tell me that? Because the owls are not old enough yet. They haven't started laying yet. But I'm yeah. worried that that's – are they giving birth to the egg and then – do or they do come they... back to it and they want it to be a, a little chicken? Oh, and, well, and an egg is it? quite large. Mm. Can someone tell me how that works? Because I am genuinely worried about taking their eggs away from them. Do chickens get hurt feelings about the eggs being taken away? Do you think people have enjoyed this bit of banter? I don't know, but there's questions. <laughs> so can you email deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com? I know it's a strange thing for the topic. Um, and also just a quick one. I've been watching The Stranger. Have you watched that on Netflix? I haven't. I've been no. watching Bridgerton. Oh, have you? Is there lots of rooting in it? Apparently there is. I haven't. Oh, there's a bit, but I haven't gotten up to the big, like, mm. apparently episode six is where it. Oh, well, The Stranger, highly recommend it. Okay. Weird mm. girl keeps bobbing up, telling people secrets, blackmailing them. And, and The it's Night good. Stalker, someone keeps telling me to watch. I oh, that just started on Netflix. Yes. It's on the trending list. And we've just started Ozark, but everyone knows about it. Everyone and they've knows. all. Look at my notes, that my banter notes. Look at the top. Issue. Mask off or bra off? No, no, the involved. <laughs> oh, man's undies at the park. Yeah, because I had to raise them. What's with the you. last one? Uh, oh, we're not doing that yet. Oh, c- Curtis, no, it was just what I've been eating, but ignore okay. that. That's all right. I had to just ordered the best food and I got excited. Oh. But social media did it. I did. Oh, I saw that. It was very unlike you. You don't I know. do social media stuff I like know. that. I know. I was so excited. It was the best food and I was excited and I don't normally do things like that, but there you are. Righto. No, shall I? Yes, please. November the 8th. 1961. Okay. In Fort Lauderdale in Florida. What's that known for? Yachting, 
Fort Lauderdale is where, isn't that where they keep, is that where the vault, the vault is? Is there a Fort prison Lauderdale? out there? I feel like it's, where do I they keep all too. the cash? Did you think Yeah, but I think it's just the case. word Fort. Like, is it Fort Knox? Is that where there's a prison? Oh, Fort Knox is the, yeah. So Fort Lauderdale. Well, Florida's sort of hanging off the end of the country, isn't it? So maybe it is like a military base or something. Is it a military base? Americans oh. are just screaming and leaving our Fort podcast in Florida. Fort Lauderdale is <laughs> ranked the least safe city in America. Well, Florida has a lot of murder. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. This is more of a sort of mystery case, this one. Okay. But there is a solution to it, so you'll be okay with it. So, uh, Fort Lauderdale, 1961. The Bluebell. So, we're on a yacht. We're going okay. sailing. Sure. The Bluebell is a 60 foot, which is 18 metres. So, it's a big twin masted sailing catch. I have no idea about sailing, but there you are. Uh, it had been chartered by a 41 year old man named Dr. Arthur Duperold. Duperold. Uh, he was an optometrist from Wisconsin and he wanted to take his family on a trip to the Bahamas. Dr. Duperold knew how to sail and this trip to the Bahamas and back to Florida for a week okay. was going to be a sort of a trial run because in future he wanted to take his family and sail around the world over several months. On the Bluebell that day were Dr. Duperold, and his family. His wife Jean was with him and there were three children. Brian was 14, Terry Joe 11 and Renee 7. Uh, so the family are there and then there's a skipper who sort of comes with when sure. you, when you hire, hire a boat. Yeah. Yeah. So the skipper was a man named Julian Harvey. He was 44. He'd been a pilot in World War Two, and in the Korean War and I gather was regarded as a bit of a hero during his war years. I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but um, that okay. was the, the talk. Uh, he also, uh, so Julian Harvey, the skipper, had gotten married four months earlier to a woman named Mary Dean. She was 34. She came along for the ride as well. Just incidentally, she was his sixth wife. Oh. So on November the 12th, the 1961, the family was heading back to Fort Lauderdale. Yes. And quite late in the day, the 11-year-old Terry Jo went to the lower cabin to rest. Her family and the skipper, Julian Harvey, and his wife, Mary, were up on deck. Terry Jo fell asleep, and when she woke up, it was dark. She was woken by screams. Oh, no. She looked up on the deck, and she saw the dead bodies of Julian Harvey's wife, Mary, her father her mother, and her brother, Brian. Everyone? Pretty much everyone, not her sister, and she didn't see the skipper. Okay. He was there, though. He shoved her back down below deck. He jumped into a dinghy, and he abandoned the sinking yacht. Right. Now, the next day, I will come back with this. I know there's unanswered questions, but we'll come back to them. Okay. The next day, November the 13th, 1961, the tanker, the Gulf Lion, was in the waters off the northwest, northwest Providence Channel in the Bahamas when it came across a small dinghy towing a life raft. And the man in the dinghy told them that he was the captain of the Bluebell. So it's Julian Harvey. Right, yes. With him in the raft was the dead body of a little girl. And he said that it was Terry Joe Duperold. Now, Terry Joe was the 11-year-old who yes, he had shoved he down shoved back below down. deck. Yes. He said the body in the thing. But it wasn't Terry Joe. He did have the body of a little girl, but it was the other sister, Renee. Right. And she was dead. So 
um, Captain Harvey, Julian Harvey, said that a squall had brought down the Bluebell's masts, had, had ruptured a gas, ta- a gas tank and started a fire. He said that he had found Renee floating in the water and tried to revive her, but he couldn't. And they did do an autopsy later, and it did show that she had, in fact, died by drowning. Nearly everyone, though, who heard Julian Harvey's story found something a little bit off about it. Some of the crew members on the ship that picked him up said he was far too calm and collected for someone who just lost his wife and an entire family of clients and who had nearly died himself. The owner of the yacht, the Bluebell, Harold Pegg, he didn't believe that the mast had failed. He said that the catch had recently been inspected and cleared. Three days later, Harvey appeared at a hearing before Coast Guard investigators and he gave them some more detail on the story. He said that a storm had blown up in the middle of the night. It had damaged the yacht's main mast so badly that the post plunged straight through the cabin and the hull of the boat and took another mast with it and that ruptured gas lines in the engine room which caused a fire to break out. He said that the five members of the Duperold family and his wife Mary Dean were either caught up in the rigging or they jumped overboard as the bluebell went down. And he even said that he emptied two fire extinguishers trying to put the fire out. What a hero. Yes. Did they find all the bodies? No. Okay. Hmm. Just wait. Yeah. When something. Okay. he was in the dinghy, he said he called out to the other passengers, but he couldn't find them. He said that he spotted Terry Joe floating face down in the water. As we know, it wasn't Terry Joe; it was Renee, uh, in the water in her life jackets. And he said that she was already dead. So as he was wrapping up his testimony, a captain of the Coast Guard came into the room with yes. some very interesting news. Yes. They had found a survivor. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. 11-year-old Terry Joe had been drifting at sea for three and a half days without any food or water. So she had been found floating on the ocean by a Greek freighter. She was alive. She was very close to death. She was severely dehydrated. She was badly sunburned and she was dropping in and out of consciousness. The Coast Guard investigators interviewed her in her Miami hospital room. She told them what she could remember about the incident. But apart from that, it was 50 years before she spoke publicly about it. Wow. And in 2010, she co-authored a book called Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean with a psychologist called Richard D. Logan. So Terry Joe said that on the night of the incident, she had gone below deck for a nap, but she was woken by her brother Brian screaming, help, daddy, help. She heard the sounds of running and stamping, and she was paralyzed with fear. Remember, she's only 11 years old. She stayed in her bed at first, and when she got up the courage to go and see what was happening, she saw her mother and her brother lying dead in a pool of blood. Uh, Up on the deck, she saw Julian Harvey walking towards her and she said to him, what happened? That's when he shoved her back below deck again. She did have enough time, though, to notice that there was nothing else out of place. There was no downed rigging. There was no splintered masts and the weather was calm. So Terry Jo hid in her bed. She heard the sloshing of water and it was starting to come into her room. Okay. She saw Harvey appear in the doorway holding what she thought was a rifle. So she shrunk back against the wall and he turned around and went back up on deck. Okay. She stayed on her bunk until the water rose so high 
that she realised the bluebell was sinking and she had to get out of there. So she waded through the water and apparently the water was not just clean ocean water. It was right. There was some oil and all sorts uh. of – it was disgusting. She waded through it. She got back up on the deck. When she got up there, she saw Harvey there. He was launching the dinghy and the life raft that he was eventually found in. And she shouted to him, is the ship sinking? He said it was. And he had the the rope for the dinghy and he shoved it into her hands. But she dropped it. So he must have realized that the dinghy was getting away from the – it was going to drift away. So he dove into the sea to grab the dinghy, leaving Terry Joe alone on the bluebell to die. And he just left okay. and left her on the sinking ship. So let's go back now to the hearing, okay. the Coast Guard hearing, sure. where Harvey had just heard the news that, that Terry Joe had been found alive. He said, oh, my God, and apparently he lost his composure for a few moments – he then said how wonderful the news was and he got up and he left the room. Oh. The next day, the manager at the Sandman Motel in Miami called the police after the maid smelled something funny in the bathroom of room 17 and she couldn't get the door of the bathroom open. Behind the door was the dead body of Julian Harvey. Mm. He had slashed himself to death with a razor blade and he'd left a note addressed to a friend saying, I'm a nervous wreck and just can't continue. I'm going out now. I guess I either don't like life or I don't know what to do with it. So it's believed what the plan was that he was going to kill his wife to collect on her double indemnity insurance policy, $20,000. Seriously, ah. all those people died for that. Uh, it is likely that Dr. Duperol saw what he was doing, so he killed him too, and his wife and his son, who also might have seen what was happening. Right. Then people started looking into the past of this Harvey bloke. It was true that he had been a bomber pilot in World War Two. He had many wives. He would meet women, woo them, marry them, and then quickly dump them. In 1949, when he was stationed at the Eglin Air Force Base in Florida, he took his first wife, Joan, and her mother to the movies. It was a rainy night, and Harvey's car swerved on a bridge and rolled over the side and into the water below, and the car sank. So people came. They dove into the water to look for the two women. Harvey had survived okay. and escaped. He described how he was able to escape to the car while it was in midair. There was no evidence that that was true and he had made no attempt to save his wife and mother-in-law, nor did he seem very upset about their deaths and he cashed in his wife's life insurance policy. The Bluebell wasn't the first boat that he'd lost. Twice before he'd filed insurance claims for destroyed boats. In the first wreck, witnesses say that he steered the boat into something on purpose and in the case of the second one, he admitted to a friend that he'd set it on fire. So Terry Joe who, as I mentioned, didn't speak about it for many, many years, but she went on to live a, a full life. She fell in love. She had children and grandchildren. In her book, she wrote, What I want to stress to all who read this book is never give up. Always have hope and try to look on the bright side of things. Be positive, be trusting, and try to go with the flow. Have compassion. Give of yourself to those in need and be loving and kind. I believe that what you give comes back to you. And just to answer your question, the bodies of Arthur... Duperol, Jean and Brian were never found. Renee was buried on the 2nd of December 1961 in the family plot. Her headstone is also a memorial to her uh, lost mother, father and brother. And just one other thing, um, Terry Joe's 
what happened to her led to a change in boating regulations that happened all over the world. So in 1962, they changed the colour of lifeboats to bright orange so that they can be – because her one was white in that case. Apparently, white can be more easily spotted at sea. I'm guessing white. I did wonder why at first, but now that I picture it – you know, at sea, sometimes the waves, the white. Yes. Yeah. When they crash. Yeah. yeah. So now all lifeboats have to be orange, orange like fluorescent. Yeah. 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 Good. Hmm. So there we are. Imagine that going through your whole life and people are like, oh, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you? Yeah. And in your head, you're going, I don't know whether she spoke to, to people she loved. Yeah. Floating. Whether, I guess people who knew her must have had to know what she'd gone through. Yeah. Hmm. The sea terrifies me. It does. Yeah. I don't think I would like to spend – you know how people are like, oh, we're going to hire a yacht for 10 days. I don't know. Rich people say that. Mm. I That is not my idea of fun. Well, actually, you can do it. There's cause what? There, well, there was an extra like boating floating in the thing. You can scroll down. You can do 2016, hints. the mummified body of a German sailor was found by fishermen on a yacht floating off the Philippines. He was identified as 59-year-old Manfred Fritz Bajorat. His body was found seated at a desk in the radio room, slumped over on his right arm like he was sleeping. The pictures have been in the paper. I think I know this. Yeah. Bajorat, I think it would be Bajorat, Bajorat, had been sailing the world on his yacht for 20 years and the last contact was with a friend via Facebook the year before. Things inside the yacht were scattered and his wallet was missing, but other valuable items were still there. Which sounds like it wasn't pirates. An autopsy found that he died of a heart attack and had been dead for seven days. The dry ocean winds, hot temperatures and the salty air helped preserve his body. Mm. For a body to mummify naturally, the conditions need to be dry with a bit of breeze going through. It also helps when the body is in an enclosed area so insects do not attack the body. Mm. There there was a photo. I I feel like there was a photo. I feel like I saw that. Around the world. Who can Google fastest? Me. Oh, yeah. It looks we'll like it's it covered in dust media. with grey hair. Yeah, weird. That Has is to weird. happen real quick. So it's only seven days and you look like that. Oof. Not good. All right. Well, we've got some feedback. Good-o. 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 All right, then. All right. Um, from Elle on Facebook. Hi, ladies. Happy 100th episode. We are 105 now. Oh, no, 118 or something, aren't we? Oh. No, we're 113. 113 now. Oh, wow. I started binge-watching Pose in the Melbourne lockdown, which led me to the story of drag queen Dorian Corey. When she died in the 90s, they found a partially mummified body of a man in her closet who went missing in 1968. He'd been shot in the head and wrapped in leather. I love our listeners. And then straight after that, Al writes, hope you are all keeping safe and healthy. <laughs> nice things, Anywho. nice things, Al. These are our people. Yep. See, they just mm. throw us the shit and then <laughs> thank us and they're out. Anyway, wow. Al has added the Anywho. story. <laughs> Anywho, uh, the story of Dorian Corey. So in 1991, a document, a document, a documentary called Paris is Burning was released. I feel like I've heard this. I think you can find it on YouTube quite easily. It was filmed in New York City uh, in the mid to late 1980s and it shows the African-American, Latino, gay and transgender communities in what became known as the Golden Age Drag Bulls. The title of the documentary comes from the 
Paris's burning ball that was held every year by an artist named Paris Dupree. One of the people interviewed in the doco is a drag queen by the name of Dorian Corey, and there is some audio of Dorian Corey speaking in this documentary, uh, talking about wanting to leave a mark on the world. We have that audio for you here. I always had hopes of being a big star. Then I look, as you get older, you you aim a little lower. And you say, well, yeah, you still might make an impression. Everybody wants to leave something behind them, some impression, some mark upon the world. Then you think, you left a mark on the world if you just get through it. And a few people remember your name. Then you left a mark. You don't have to bend the whole world. I think it's better to just enjoy it. Pay your dues and enjoy it. If you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, hooray for you. Paris is Burning has been used in colleges to teach uh, about gender, race, class and sexuality. Dorian was one of the stars of the LGBTQ community in New York. Her shows were always sold out. She was known as a sweet, loving woman. In her younger years, she had earned her degree in graphic design from Parsons School of Design. But her star eventually began to fade and Dorian stayed home most nights. She contracted HIV and on August the 29th, 1993 she died and this is where it gets weird her friend Lewis Taylor was left the job of cleaning out Dorian's apartment on 140th Street in the Hamilton Heights area of Harlem it was just over a month after Dorian's death uh, when she went inside the apartment with a couple of friends and as they went through the closet they came across a trunk (laughs) A trunk? Oh. Yes. They like you said, a drunk. No, a trunk. <laughs> mm. It's always the way, isn't it? Mm. They couldn't lift it. And when they opened it, she said that there was a horrible stink came out of a dusty mm. fabric bag. They called the police and Lewis said, because honey... I wasn't chancing it. She's <laughs> smart, right? <laughs> oh, that's so New York. Yeah, I, can I hear it. wasn't chancing Love it. Love it. Detectives went through layers of wrapping, including a leather layer, and they found a mummified body. The leather was believed to have helped keep the smell from coming out of the closet. It was also in a trunk, so that would have helped. Yeah. It was the body of the man. He had a bullet hole in his head. Police were able to identify him as Robert Worley, who had not been seen since 1968. There were a few random items in there with the body. They found vintage beer can lids. And from those beer cans, they've been able to work out that he was dead for at least 15 years. But no one had ever socialized or lived with Dorian during that time, had ever recalled her mentioning him, let alone confessing to killing him. Some of her fellow drag queens speculated that she had shot him during a failed robbery. A reporter for New York Magazine spoke to uh, Wally's brother, Fred, who said that Wally had called him when he was drunk and rambled on about someone named Dorian, who had been he'd been having a fight with. 
Lewis Taylor also told the reporter that Dorian Corey had written a short story about a transgender woman who killed her lover in revenge after he pressured her to have a sex change. Friends say she didn't have the mind of a criminal, yet there is also a side of her that was quite guarded and didn't share much of her personal life, even with the people who were closest to her. Some have speculated that the trunk had been there, when Corey moved in, since it's believed, but if you move in in a trunk, yeah, there, you'd notice it. Yeah, so maybe they just mean the trunk was there, not necessarily the person in it. Mm. Uh, since it's believed she moved in after 1968, and they believe it would have been difficult to move the trunk. So I think they mean yes. the trunk was there. Yeah, body maybe not. Yeah. Richard Malman, who wrote the play Dorian's Closet, said that disposing of the body would have been too consp- uh, conspicuous. Yeah. In- congested Manhattan. Yeah. So Corey covered it in baking soda and wrapped it tightly to neutralize the inevitable odor. How would she have known to do this? He said, I don't I think she had a criminal baking mind. soda. She didn't plan the murder and then it happened. She had to think fast. In the mind of someone who commits a crime of passion, that kind of makes sense. There have been theories about why Wally was killed. Um, and as I mentioned a moment ago, some thought he was killed during a robbery attempt, but his body was only wearing a pair of torn blue and white boxes. Would a robber break in wearing just their underwear? Yeah, the most... and you would call the cops if you accidentally killed a totally. robber. Totally. The most logical theory is that Wally had been abusing Dorian and she had had enough. She got her gun and shot him in the head. Her friends have confirmed that she did own a twenty-two caliber gun. Mm. While the case is still open, police do not believe they will ever be able to solve it. Mm. Mm. But imagine, you know, like living we, your whole life with a dead body in your closet. Like we just spoke about, imagine living your whole life having this secret of going, my whole family was killed on a boat and I spent three days at sea. Yeah. And there's another secret in this yeah. story where it's like, oh, should I have someone over? There is the trunk issue. Yeah. What if they go, oh, kids Kids always want to get into trunks. Oh, Don't what's they? in the trunk? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about trunks. Mm. They're exciting. Uh, shall I do a feed? Sure. Okay. Yes. Uh, from Rebecca. Hi, Chanel. I don't know why I've got this question in my voice. Hi, Chanel. Hi. Hi. Hello, Chanel, Dee Dee and Kirsten. Greetings from the upper Midwest. That's American. You know, we love it. We do. Um, She has just listened to episode 84 where Chanel talked about Jeffrey Dahmer. I've lived in the metro Milwaukee area in Wisconsin most of my life and remember when his crimes were discovered and his trial and subsequent death in prison at the hands of another prisoner. Did you know there was another murderer killed at the same time? His name was Jesse Anderson and he was in prison for murdering his wife in the parking lot of a TGI Fridays and blaming it on a black man. Oh, His actions led to the eventual closure of the local shopping mall in that uh, that the restaurant was near and the general economic collapse of that area in Milwaukee. Wow. Uh, the first time I saw a dead body was when I was four at the funeral of our city's late police chief. He had been killed by accident during a hostage situation. Anthony Johnson had been convicted of sexual assault and car theft and was then fleeing from robbing a gas station on the 2nd of September, uh, December 1979. He questioned... Uh, I didn't say probably last night. He abandoned the car on the interstate not far from my parents' house in Mekon. 
north of Milwaukee. He then ran east, the opposite direction of my parents, broke into a house and forced a man and his two-month-old daughter into their car and wanted them to drive him to Michigan's Upper Peninsula at gunpoint. They didn't get far before the police stopped him. Johnson got out of the car, holding the baby at gunpoint. After a few hours, Chief Buntrock convinced Johnson to take him as hostage in place of the baby and her father. They then got into the chief's unmarked squad car with Chief Budrock in the driver's seat. At about 8pm, an officer then shot Johnson in the back seat. Oh, my God. But only stunned him. Chief Buntrock started climbing into the back seat, grabbing the gun that Johnson was holding. Both had their hands on the gun when it went off, killing Johnson. Another officer mistook Chief Buntrock for Johnson and shot him at almost exactly the same time. Mm. Oh, dear. Chief Thomas Buntrock was buried with honour and there was a statue of him kneeling with a small child in front of the Mekon Police Department in his memory. Nearly 30 years later, one of his sons became Chief of Police in Mekon. What an extraordinary story. Thank you for all the episodes, including the banter. Becca. Wow. Amazing. Crazy. Mm. What do you want to do here? What do you want to do? I don't now? know. Are we ending or do you want to do more? Give feedback away. Why not? Let's get through some of these favorites because lots of people have been patiently waiting for okay. their feedback. Let's do one or two more quick ones. And- okay. From Stephanie. Hello, lovely ladies. Nice things, nice things. Just want to let you know that I'm in WA and it definitely... Oh, for fuck's sake. What? And it definitely is puzzle etiquette. Yes. Separate no. edge pieces into a separate Ziploc bag. Oh. Huh. And this is always a chore. Thank the you. diehards can empty the edge pieces back into the general puzzle population yep. if they want. Does she also say that calisthenics is not just stretching? Just to completely vindicate me. No, you can't force people that come back to you with one <laughs> point of agreement to then agree with everything you okay. say. Stephanie says, I was yelling at the car. <laughs> I was yelling at the car radio going, yes, it is, Thank when you. Dee Dee was talking about puzzling. <laughs> Love the banter at the bell and that Kirsten contributes more more even when eating Maccas. <laughs> I forgot. I couldn't understand what she was saying, but I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's not My always I'm eating says, Maccas, just that one time. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. What are you I recently went to Queensland yes. for a um, small getaway before yep. things turned to shit there. Yep. And uh, I left my dogs down at my dad's house and I had to go pick them up. And I picked them up. Okay, so this is serial killer behavior. Hold on, wait, I'll finish okay. this feedback. Right. I'm going everywhere. My husband says it's his favorite podcast because of the banter. Please keep up the great work and hats off uh, to you all for surviving lockdown. We have been extremely lucky in WA. They have been. They've done it well in WA. Mind it you, has been very, a haven. very strict rules over there, but it's yes. well done to you for living under those very strict rules. A haven. Okay, so over uh, just after New Year, went to Queensland. Nicholas and I are like, I don't know, 80 year old Australians. We go to the Gold oh, Coast every. Bottom on uh, Instagram. I did. And it said, marrying this. Yeah. <laughs> he likes to flash people. I love that. He it's flashed funny. me from the balcony. I put it on the internet. Another reason why my Instagram cannot be public. No, I don't ever. things I do. No. Yes. Anyway, so had to go pick up. I'm, the serial killer behavior that I'm going to talk about is the fact that whenever I come home from holiday, I must unpack my suitcase immediately. Yep. Yes, same. Yes. 
Thank yes. you. Yes. Yes. But I do you know do why? Not because if you don't do stuff. it, you'll never get do it. it. You'll Correct. never get around to doing it. Yeah. You've got to I suck it up, not... just unpack on Thank the same. You. Yep. And same. I do not leave that. So I exhibit serial killer behavior before I go that? on holiday. Oh, right. Which is I clean the entire house. So you come home to a clean house? Yes. I leave no affairs unattended. Oh, right. I get it all done. I change oh. the bed sheets. Everything's clean. I'm stressing out before we're leaving. Nico's like, just fucking leave it. And I'm like, no, we must put all the washing yeah. away. We must do this. We must do that. So that when I come home, it's incredible. Because otherwise, when you come home, your house is really disappointing. Correct. Sometimes you come home and go, oh. You is see this where jobs. I live? You're like, yeah. oh, that, that. So I like packed up all the Christmas stuff, blah, blah, blah. I'm like losing my shit. Before we came back from uh, Queensland, we're staying in a service, or not a service apartment, an apartment that had a washer and dryer. So I'm saying to Nicholas, give me all your undies, all yep. your undies. Yep. I want to wash everything before yeah. we get home so everything's clean. We just pop it away, get home. I'm madly emptying the suitcase and doing all the crazy shit. And by that time, it's like 10 o'clock. And my dad's house is, house is at least an hour's drive. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going to get the dogs. And Nico's like, well, you are mental. Just, you don't need to, you've just done all this stuff. Like, you don't need to just leave the dogs for tomorrow. I was like, rah, rah, tomorrow people will be coming back from the peninsula and I need to go now, beat the traffic. Woo, I'm off. Anyway. <laughs> They are babies. You have to get them. On the way, I stopped at McDonald's. And can I tell you, the order was massive. And it was such bliss to sit in a car on my own, just eating a burger, yes. heading down the highway, mm -hmm. listening to podcasts. It was the time of my effing life. <laughs> I almost had more fun in that car ride than I did on my holiday. It was and the best. And the knowing that, that the dogs were at the end of that. Yeah. And when I was ordering, I felt like I was being judged and I didn't care. I was like, oh, hi, can I get a, a medium and chicken meal and I'm going to get 10 nuggets and I was just ordering. <laughs> well, that's kind of when – so when I said to you, I, I put on uh, my Facebook and I think on my Instagram, the Curtis Stone stuff, because yes. here's what I did. I don't – it's – quite odd they do the servings that you can order for three people like three who has three three there's four of us in this house that's how they make you order double though maybe it is yeah because bailey can eat like he's a big lad yeah. and kieran can always eat like for two people because he's a tradesman they yeah. you have to double feed them yeah and i went three is not going to stretch to four people i had to go double but i i didn't say anything to them i wanted them to think that i had a family of six. Oh, so i <laughs> i ordered the double two amounts i ordered enough food for six people yeah. it, as it turned out it was way too much like it was tons okay tons 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 um this is from Francesca. We really got sidetracked there, but anyway. We did, we didn't we? From Francesca. Hey, ladies. Love the pod. Nice things. Well, I don't eat McDonald's, so I can't really relate. Oh, I don't know why. I can't. But I... I love it. I'm missing out. I, correct. I love it. I um, auditioned. No, that's not the what? right... Debuted a new pair of pyjamas across summer. Okay. Because we've... Look, let's be honest. Shit weather of summer. Yeah. Summer of weather. Yeah. It's been way too cold. It's been really cold here. We haven't uh, had a summer. I have had a pair of like white cotton pajamas with navy trim, yeah, like nice. full length ones. Nice. In reserve, not warm enough for winter. Yeah. I was thinking of them as a trans seasonal pajama. Yeah, right. And a I lot of thought into this. Mm. Yeah. So I debuted them. Yep. But then made the mistake of I was given a chocolate penguin that had all different <laughs> for, for Christmas. You've, you've stained them. Thick, yes. Mm. Sitting there 
watching That's me telly in, the cinema. in yes. my white pyjamas eating dark chocolate and I yeah. looked down and it was all like in between where my legs were. That's me when I come out of the cinemas. <laughs> I always Covered. have chocolate on my top. Always. Brand new white pyjamas. Who even invents white pyjamas? Oh, no, don't stop inventing white clothes strange. because they're just going to get covered it's in chocolate. True. From Francesca. Hey, ladies. Love the pod. Nice things. I'm emailing in reference to something you mentioned at the start of it. 102 during your banter. Mm-hmm. Brackets, which I love. BTW. Yes. About people talking loudly in savers about what they're going to look at. I have a story. Okay. This was long ago, at least 18 years ago, when savers may have not been so sanitary. Ooh. Don't know. Uh, my sister and I were looking around where two women who were around 70 years old were looking at some things near us. One of them asked the other, let's go look at the shoes, to which there's always like a vague smell in the shoe aisle. Oh, there is. You're right. You have to just Musky. pretend it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything they can do to, to make it go away. No. Uh, to which the other one replied, I want to go and have a look at the knickers first. Oh, no. Knickers? Do they have knickers in savers? Who's donating you can't their undies? Breathe. I don't think you can't resell. Surely not. Because who surely. donates their undies? Yeah. Well, they sell pajamas, which I think is in the same sort of category. Yeah. I think okay. Your pajamas. You sleep in them. Yeah. yeah. It's different to daytime wear. Yeah. Isn't it is. It? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. Because you kind of just like slob in them. Yeah, you're kind of sweaty in them yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like you scratch your butt. You're supposed <laughs> to change your pillowcase every two days. No one's because of all the because of all the skin cells and the dribble. That doesn't happen at my house. You meant here? to? No, it doesn't. But it yeah, should. but don't say you meant to. Like you do it. Do you yeah. do it? No, I don't. Shannon, well, like there said, you go. she also said Why? that you should clean your microwave every day. Like when you're washing the dishes, you clean the microwave as well. Because she said all food that yeah, you're thinking about. It. I can see your eyes thinking about. It. Um, yeah, but like, all... who has time for that? Exactly. Not even just when a smelly thing got cooked in it. You have to do it all the time. Um, I had something undies. else to say, but what's that, oh, No, I thought you were going back to the, the undies at Savers. Yeah. I will, yeah. Um, just a question on pyjamas. Why is there a pocket in pyjamas? I what? don't know. <laughs> what am I going to do in the night that I I don't need? know. Sometimes I end up putting my phone in it. Just, what if you go to sleep like that? No, I would never go to sleep like that. But mm. otherwise, nothing else goes in the no. pajama pocket. Uh, undies or no undies? Well, I I I like just t-shirt and undies to sleep in, but yeah. I don't like it if the undies have got a tight elastic around the top. Yeah, I like loose, old, torso. stretchy undies. Yeah. yeah. Um, my, in fact, I woke the other night having some sort of a dream because I was too hot because I went to bed with pajama pants on. I'm constantly terrified that I'm going to pee myself at night it's oh. a constant fear for me that's interesting yeah yeah you wake up though did you wet the bed as a little girl i don't know i don't know why i have this fear hmm. yeah anyway my sister and i exchanged a look of horror followed by hysterical laughter once they'd left the area to this day we quote it and it's the best yep <laughs> francesca uh, says anyway anyway thought I'd share that story. Sadly, never said... Oh, no, don't say sadly, never seen a dead body. That's a good thing, Francesca. Uh, but not for lack of trying. No, don't try. <laughs> You're missing dead. out. <laughs> well done. Uh, oh, and just on... Um, this is just a general thing. We had several messages about coffin births. Oh, this story. Yeah, this haunts me that this is a thing. Yes. Mm. And in particular, the case of Shanann Watts. Because yes. remember I said 
Square brackets, yes. citation needed. Yes. Uh, several people confirmed that she did, in fact, have a coffin birth. Oh. And I think it was Kerry gave us an actual screenshot of the page from her autopsy. Right. Her uh, full autopsy is available online and the link, and that's all up on our Facebook page. If should you wish to go and read the horror. I think we should leave it there. We've gone on long enough. We've covered every topic in the encyclopedia. I think we have, yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end, Kirsten. Just saying, done. done. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.